Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. What's my man uh, Patrick plays jams from local bands and artists that you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Donovan Keith, and he is playing Saturday at Central Machine Works. Oh, I like that. There you go. If you missed any of these selections for 512 Friday, please go over to hornfm.com. My man Patrick uh, hooks you up there as well in case you missed any of them. You can go catch up with them right there at hornfm.com. We're on the road. We're hanging out at Golffinity celebrating Dale Match Play, which is happening here in the ATX. A lot going on in the ATX this weekend, but Dale Match Play, one of the biggest events. So uh, they are having a party out here at Golffinity celebrating Dale Match Play. So come on out here and join the party as well. They got Dale Match Play menu items, Dale Match Play cocktails for you as well. Uh, you can come out here and enjoy that. And Harge and I will be out here till 7 o'clock. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so via Twitter. Harge is at Hardball Harge. Twitterverse. I'm at Rod Davis in Twitterverse, and my man Patrick Davis said it's Patrick Davis. Of course, in this segment, talking a lot about Texas versus Xavier. We'll break down that matchup. We'll probably continue to break it down all the way uh, throughout the rest of the show. Uh, in Rod's round the day, we'll take a little break. Uh, we'll get into some Dallas Cowboys discussion. Um, I was inspired by one of my favorite all-time sitcoms um, with a theory as to what is happening with the Dallas Cowboys offseason. Huh. So we'll talk about that when we uh, get into Raj rant of the day. All right, let's start with Texas Xavier here, Harge, because, you know, a lot of Longhorn fans a little nervous about this, and honestly, you are making some folks nervous. Because Not trying to. You ain't trying to, but you're just keeping it real, and you said even before this matchup actually was finalized, prior to talking about filling out brackets, yep. you – would not have wanted to meet up with Xavier. No. Uh, when they actually announced, you know, the pods and all that brackets, one of the matchups you did not want to see was Texas Xavier. Now, do you, how do you feel about it now? Do you, are you still, I still have anxious? A I still, still have anxious a about yeah, this matchup. I'm, I'm having a little okay. bit of anxiety. So you're not confident? Uh, no, it's not necessarily that I'm not confident. I you just still, know. Is it a bad matchup for Texas in your opinion? It has it has its it, moments. It, it, could it could be. be. It could, it could be. be. Okay. Depending on how Texas goes about their business and what we've seen over the last couple um, games, they're 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 playing some solid basketball. They're sharing the ball a lot better than what it was at certain points this year. We're having different guys step up in these situations. But initially, when I was looking at it and filling out the brackets, the one thing that I always kept looking at was the athleticism, right? Mm -hmm. their, their aggressive play. Now, if the refs are going to let these both of these teams go at it. Which they, they have been in the they tournament. Have been They've been letting that. them play in the tournament, man. I still look at Texas as that team that can walk away from with this victory. Do I think it's going to be a lot closer than most people expect? Texas right now is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it's a little tight. I think it's a tight basketball game just because of what we saw last night. Look at the two games that we got a chance to see. The only bad game was the Arkansas game. I know. And I meant to ask Aaron about the Zags. Yeah. Because I assume he's a Zags yeah. fan. Yeah. Because he's from, Being from the that Washington area. area. Right? Every, everybody from that area is a Zags. My, my wife lived in Idaho and she's a Zags fan. Hey, because they're good. Everybody in the region is a Zags They don't ever talk about their baseball team. They don't ever talk about track. They always talk they about their hoops, hoops team. And they no all question. represent for that hoop team. So. After watching all the games that pl were played last night, taking aside the UConn-Arkansas game, you look at how the Big 12 and how it fared, right? 
And you look at what Texas has done with those teams. They, they played well against all those teams, got a good record, and you continue to try to hope that they break it down to where Texas is going to be in this situation where it's all favorable for them. But it all depends on what the referees are going to be doing for them as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, the reason I uh, – there are a couple of factors that I think are advantageous to Texas in this matchup. Mm-hmm. First of all, the depth of Texas. Yep. They're just deep. Texas plays nine guys on the regular. Um, Xavier, uh, they actually uh, – now their rotation is probably down to just seven players. They recently had that injury. They were a little bit deeper. They had an injury to one of their big men, Zach Fremantle, I believe is his name. Um, since he went down, they've shortened the rotation even more. And I think Texas – can wear down Xavier throughout the course of a game because they are so deep, but they won't have they, every guy that they're having their rotation is not necessarily going to be at a have a matchup advantage right. in, in this game versus Xavier. So, yes, they are nine deep, but not necessarily all nine of those guys are going to be impact players in this specific game. But Xavier's bench has combined to play a little under 25%, less than 25% of their total minutes this season. So they've yeah. always been a team that has relied on a short rotation. They don't have a lot of depth. Texas has a ton of depth, one of the best benches uh, in, in the country. And, of course, it's mostly because Serge Barry Rice coming off that bench is a beast. <laughs> right. But you pointed out, and I love that point that you made, that you think Brock Cunningham coming yes. off the bench is going to be huge in this game. He's kind of your X factor in this matchup. He's definitely my X factor just because of the hustle and the way and the physicality in which he plays. And you saw that he didn't get a chance to play that much in the last game, and I think that was a matchup. It's a matchup thing, yeah. And this one, he he fits yeah, that was into guards. the guards. Yes. Yeah, the Penn State. Right? Exactly. They, they had a lot play. of guard Small play, ball. and keeping him out on the perimeter is something that he's not really good at at this point. But if you're going to go out there and you're going to be physical and you're going to bang and you're going to have to have that that guy that's going to be able to attack for the loose balls and be able to do you know, muck it up, so to speak, mm-hmm. he's definitely going to be that guy. And, I, and let's not forget, he can knock down threes in those situations where hey. people start f- falling off of him. He gets to a certain spot, and you know he's going to take that I'm, shot. I'm glad you said certain spot. His yeah. top of the key? Money. He is. Money. He's shooting like 40, close to 46, 46% Money. from the top of that key. Yeah. And, and if he just a little – if you just – you know, if he goes like a little bit, to his, a little to, bit away, nudge to his right, it's yeah. still around forty-seven yeah. percent. So yeah, you're right about that. Though he finds his spot, he can be really, really dangerous. Uh, That's one, an extension of the free throw line to me, the top of the key. You know, if you can shoot free throws, you can definitely shoot from the top of the key. But just because of the angle, because of, of the angle of it. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's one thing. Top of the key, you know if it's off. So exactly. You see you're like, oh, like, oh that ain't, that's I'm going it. to the right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to the right. Everybody knows that top of the key shot. You're like, oh, that's off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you can't tell from that angle. Nope. But, yeah, but that top of the key, oh, oh you, you know. know. You know. Immediately. <laughs> uh, but one of the things also that I think Texas has an advantage of in this, in this matchup and just doing kind of, you know, the kind of surface uh, level – uh, breakdown on Xavier, they have struggled versus opposing centers. Um, they've and they've kind of benefited from facing teams that do not really rely significantly on their centers for scoring. And Texas wasn't actually that reliant on centers for scoring up until Dylan DeSue, right. kind of an undersized center, started to you know have the flotation station, the push shot, whatever it is. 
Um, Xavier faced Pitt, remember, and Panthers, that Panthers center, Diaz, Diaz Graham. Yep. Um, he had one of his highest scoring games of the season. Um, and when they faced Creighton, the Creighton center, Ryan Kalbrenner, led his team with 18 points, converted all of his field goal attempts, um, and responsible for literally a third of his team scoring. If you go look at Dylan DeSue right now, is trending in the right direction. That is a a weakness defensively for them is centers that can score. And right now, Texas has one of the hottest scoring centers in the country. Yeah. With the way with what well, the way he's Dylan, been playing, with the way yeah. Dylan DeSue has been playing at least the last eight games or so. So that actually could be a huge advantage, just considering the matchup right now. In the, in, 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 the, in the Xavier game against Pittsburgh, they had seven guys in double digits, too. So think about that. If they come out and they have that balanced scoring like they did against Pittsburgh, and this is the biggest thing for me when it comes to Texas, their defense, their defense is underrated. And how you said it earlier, what is the number, 72? If they Basically, keep a team under Texas seven, is 20, Texas is 23-0 when they hold teams to 72 points or fewer. Right. Xavier is 27-3 and three when they score 72 or more points. So 72 is your it's magic, your magic number, number tonight. If Xavier gets over 72, eh, it ain't good. Right. Um, is, if Texas defense – right now Texas defense is allowing only 58 points per game. Yes. Since March 1st. Yep. So ever since they gave up 75, that's 75 yard, I said 75 yards, 75, 75 yard touchdown run. <laughs> Either way is bad. Yeah. Exactly. 75 point game to TCU and they lost that, that game. Uh, they have really become a juggernaut on the defensive side. Um, so I do think that defense, that's their calling card. That defense is going to come to play. And Penn State and Colgate, both prolific three-point shooting teams. I mean, they, they were combined 11 of 41 from three-point range against Texas. And once again, another team that can shoot, shoot it from three-point range. The thing that worries me about Xavier is they got a big man that can shoot the three. Yeah, they, they stretch you big, out. Yeah, they, they got you out. Uh, is it Nunji? Yep. Um, he, can, he, he shoots over 40% from three-point range. And so he's a guy that can hurt you down low. He's a seven-footer, too, so he's legit. Yep. Um, and can play both ends of the floor. Nunji can be a – because that is a natural – not natural, but it's a roster limitation for Texas. It has been one of the Achilles heels for this team all season long. They have a versatile big man that can spread the Alex Con Adam Kunkel was the one who – was hitting the shots. Number five last game for them, for Xavier. He went five of eight from three-point land, and he, he made five of the eight three-pointers that they made. So that's the other part of it, too. But, again, they had seven guys in double digits. They, oh, no, that, that's the part. that That's the one thing that I keep looking at. Oh. If you can control – if you can just get four guys in double digits, I'm cool with it. But when you got seven guys in double digits, that goes to your point. That's going to put they wrote, you to 70. That's everybody in their rotation. That puts you to 70, too. <laughs> yeah. That puts you to 70. Yeah, that's every, remember, I just told you, they, yeah. only, they have a short rotation. Yes. That's everybody in the rotation scoring double digits. I'm with you. And I think you start with, you know, uh, Sully Boom. Yep. All right, you start Man. with Sully Boom, and he's – I love the name. It's a great name. Um, but he's also shooting close to 40% from three-point range, yeah. and he's the leading scorer. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is Rodney Terry knows Sully Boom's game as well as any coach in the country yeah. because he was a coach of Sully Boom at UTEP for a couple of years uh, after he transferred from San Fran and before he decided to transfer to Xavier. So Texas is really good at pinpointing uh, the – uh, most 
important or lethal threats on the opposing team and neutralizing them. They've done a yeah. really good job of that. And hopefully we see another tactical uh, game plan that is designed to take away a team's most important offensive asset, which right now it's solely boom for Xavier. Yeah, make him an assist Sorry, guy. Sorry, I went the whole show without saying Xavier, and now I finally did it. Xavier. I was trying to help you out and just keep going. I know. Trying to jump over there. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you're absolutely right, and that's something, too. If you can make him an assist guy and not a scoring guy, that's going to help you a long way. But he's so quick. It's so quick. I'm just trying to figure out who the matchups are going to be, who's going to cover who, who's going to make it difficult for the next man. And if they can get everybody lined up and in the right position, Texas's defense, you brought the numbers up. They've been playing very, very well on the defensive end. Him and uh, Kobe Jones. Yeah. Kobe Jones is the other guard who also is like, – both those guys can penetrate and get to the rim. And they play – a they, lot of minutes still. Oh, like I said, like yeah. you said, they're short bench. That's all they have. They have a lot that plays. They can break down the defense yeah. uh, really well, both of those guys, and that's what they'll be trying to do against Texas, uh, break down that defense and either drive and kick it or get to the rim, create some contact, uh, and try to even get Texas in foul trouble. That's what goes back to what Harris talked about too, how the ref's going to call the game. It's going to be big. Yeah. Gonna be, it's going to be huge. They're going to let them play, let them get physical, or they're going to call it close. And if they do that, then it could really change the dynamic of the game. One thing also to look at, shout out to my man uh, Matt Butler, sent me this because we're talking about uh, the, the pace Xavier likes to play yeah. with. Uh, out of 369 D1 teams scoring to Ken Palm, adjusted for <laughs> opponent, Xavier ranks 33rd in pace. So they like to get up. They like to get up and down the court. Texas is 100th, yeah. right? 100th in pace. Uh, Texas is 15. This is, why, this is why I think Texas overall doesn't have the advantage, though. Because you're right. Xavier, offensively, they are scary. Yes. They, if you just watch them offensively, yes. you start – you get anxiety. Sean Miller. Yeah. yeah. No, watch, just watch them. You, you do get a little anxiety because they are really prolific offensively. They can score, man. They really can. Uh, and Texas, offensively, it's not bad at all. Texas is 15th offensively. Right. We talked about this. Um and you go look at it, Xavier, uh, you look at offense rating, they're seventh. And that they're a top ten offense. Yep. Xavier's defensive rating, 64th. Not Texas, very good. Texas defensive rating is 10th. So Texas is a top 15 team defensively and offensively. Xavier's just a top 10 team offensively. No defense. So the, the real matchup advantage for Texas is going to be their offense. They're very adaptable offense now. And with all with the the multi-headed the, the multi-headed Hydra, uh, yeah. right? Essentially, they got so many different ways they can beat you. We know now about, or we know for a while about Marcus Carr and Serge Ibaka Rice. But recently, Dylan DeSue has come on, and we always know Timmy Allen can also be a guy that can hurt you. So the offense is really adaptable, and I think their offense, going back to how Xavier doesn't really match up well with centers, they have a problem with centers. And Texas center right now, although undersized, is playing offensively like one of the best centers in the country and also one thing that another thing that gives Xavier a lot of trouble is the mid-range game right and Texas loves the mid-range game do they ever I mean Timmy Allen lives in the mid-range that push shot the flotation station whatever it is from Dylan DeSue is one of the most unorthodox yet effective mid-range shots in the country yeah it is arguably the best and most effective signature shot in the country at this point. Right. And, and 
it's, it's, it's been using it, honestly, for about, what, three weeks now or something like that? He hadn't been using it that I long. I think that's when it, ex- it exploded on the scene. He did a couple early in the year, but we didn't know what it I was. I guess we weren't. Yeah, we remember because during they did the interview, he was like, do it again. <laughs> he was like, man, I guess he can really shoot that I, ball. I, I cannot wait till one of these advanced analytics companies actually looks at every push shot, flotation, whatever it is, and see what – I want to see what the field goal percentage is on it. Because I tell you, I, it's, it's got to be in the upper 80s. Yeah. Because he's already shooting damn near close to 70% anyway yeah. in the mid-range. It's got to be in the upper 80s. And that was after he missed his three-pointer early in the game, and then he said, you know what? I'm just going to go to work in the middle of the field. I mean, in the middle of the court. Yeah. No, there his, you go talking about 75-yard runs. His, his, yeah, I got you. I got, <laughs> I got me. Um, if you're looking at basically his mid-range shots inside the three-point line, all right, um, just kind of off the, the right side there, off the right elbow, he's shooting close to 65%. At the rim, he's shooting, at the rim, he's shooting 79%. Yeah. So I'm going to say that push shot probably has him close to, close to 80%. Get to the rim. But he doesn't. But that's what I'm that's saying. That's what yeah. makes the shot so damn effective yeah. is that the, the high pick and roll, all the defenders, and Zay broke this down beautifully on uh, Chad and Zay earlier this week. I forget uh, what day he actually broke it down. But usually you are, as a, as a defender, you are taught, get to the rim, cut him off. Big man's going to the rim. He's going to the rim. He wants to dunk or he wants to get to the paint. Right. Dun suit. Stop short. Ooh, I stopped short. He stopped short <laughs> of the paint. And then he makes it. We talked about this day and age, right? The analytics, how they just they destroy concepts. Mm-hmm. It just, they really they just, they did concept killers. The mid-range they game. They make me overthink. Exactly. It and it has yeah. in the baseball too, right? Yeah. What's down in baseball? Yeah, you always exactly. talking about. Like, the, they're, they're hitting the ball the other way. You boom. don't have a good average. You Come don't on have now. all that stuff. And the same thing about the mid-range yeah. game in the NBA and even the college game. Guys don't practice a mid-range shot anymore. They don't live there. Analytics tells them get to the rim or shoot the three-point shot. Those are the only shots that are worth your time. Ruining kids' lives. All right? But so the, defensively, they've adapted. They, they, they defend a three-point shot. This is the – the lowest uh, three-point field goal percentage in, like, 15 years in the tournament so far. Because teams are really good at defending three-point exactly. shots. Because everybody shoots a three-point shot. That's the shot that's, that that's what, I, that's what I see every damn yeah. day. Yeah. What they're not good at defending is mid-range game. Yep. All right? And Dylan DeSue lives there because once he comes off that high pick and roll, he just he stops short. And he makes it a push shot. He turns it into a mid-range shot. When most pick and rolls are designed to get him to the rim, especially with a big man, designed to get him to the rim and get him in the paint, he stops short of the paint. Right. And there, the defender is heading to the paint. And then they, so then they, they're basically, he's in no man's land. And how are you going to defend that? I mean, it's, it's a weird, strange. You think you're defending it, but you're yeah. really not. So I, I don't know. Somebody's going to figure out a way to defend it. I mean, in this I game. I hope it's not this series. I would love to see at least tactically a team try something different. Because yeah. nobody's been able to even, in, in my opinion, even adequately approach defending it. Can it be just because the way he's playing is just the way that he's playing? Like, it could even be. if they, it may look like they're not, but they tried. Because if you rush him, then he gets the foul. Because yeah. he's, he's still a big man heading to the paint. And great he used contact. to be a guard. Yeah, it's a great point. He used to be a guard. That's a great point, too. Yeah. No, it is. It's a, it's a fascinating uh, signature shot that he's developed. Uh, shout out to my man at, at Corey Mose, uh, who broke it down. Yeah. Who played that audio for you earlier this week. Uh, but, yeah, the mid-range game, because Texas has Dylan DeSue uh, and Timmy Allen, Timmy Tourniquet, 
I do think that's another issue for Xavier. They have struggled with teams that shoot a lot of mid-range shots. Uh, for example, they gave up 80. They gave up over 80 points in both of their games against uh, Georgetown that attempted two pointers at the fourth highest frequency yep. uh, in college basketball. Uh, they lost at Butler. Uh, yep. Butler attempts two-point shots, jump shots at the 24th highest frequency. Texas takes a lot of mid. Texas, I believe, is the 22nd. Um, I believe they take mid-range jumpers at the 22nd highest frequency, like two-pointers. So Texas game right now, at least what they do well, it does fit. Um, and in terms of the matchup, it's advantageous to them because that's something that Xavier has struggled with all season long, defending centers and defending the mid-range. Yeah. And Texas' center is really hot, and they're hot from the mid-range right the now. The hottest. The hottest. There it is. Oh, yeah, as a matter of fact, if you look at got this little stat from Synergy, uh, so yeah. give them credit. If you look at the most efficient offensive players through the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, Dylan DeSue is the most efficient player through the first weekend of the tournament. Now, I did, this does not count last night's game, so this was prior to the Sweet 16 starting. But if you look at points per, uh, points per possession, he's at 1.45. Offensive efficiency among qualified scorers, those who have at least 30 possessions. So he is extremely efficient. By the way, Sergio Roy Rice, he's fifth. Yeah, he's in the mix list. too. He's, he's at 1.20 points per possessions in terms of first weekend's most efficient scores. You see any Xavier players on that thing? There are not. Hello. There are not. So you saying players. we got a chance. Yeah, Drew Timmy makes it. As Timmy. He was number six. He had 36 last night, uh, by the way. Yeah, Strother makes it number eight. Yeah, that was, that was a great game. It was an outstanding game, but not better than that K-State game. Woo. Man, Marquise Noel. It's okay, the th truth. I know we're talking Texas, but we just got to veer off the path. No, we bit. have to. Marquise Noel throwing that alley-oop. After he was acting like he was arguing. They, they were arguing. No, they weren't. It was they a set-up play. I thought it was real. No, it was a set-up play because if you watch the video again, Jerome uh, Are you Kang, sure? Kang thought, is walking but away they, from they, it. They, they said it. It was a, they were really arguing. They were looking at each other. They were arguing in the locker room oh, and I, in I'm going, off, I'm going off the record. The record yeah. says they went on the record and said they were actually arguing. I, they said they were actually he had, already, he, he had also told people walking up the sideline, talk about watch this. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's, he, they, I don't they practiced know. that because it, I, they it, already knew what was going to happen. Because just like anything else, you remember Patrick Mahomes looking on the sideline? And, I do remember that. And then all of a sudden they snap it to the running yeah. back? No, it's – Oh, we just made that up on the go. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, I know in football you, you ain't finna be And you ain't finna be that arguing I, in the middle yeah, of a play coming up the court. No, that don't happen. <laughs> exactly. I that. But still, it was – No, I get it. It was fascinating. It was and, great. And yeah. the fact it was another no look, and that's how that dude – He's having so much fun playing basketball. He's fun to watch. And DJ comes in. My son DJ comes in the house, and he's like, he's doing it for us little guys. He's doing it for the little guys. Okay. And I was like, but he – Thick. <laughs> he big bone. He, he thick with it. Yeah. What is it about K State and little athletes? Oh, he been Deuce. Darren Sproles, Deuce Vaughn, and now, now Marquise Noel. Noel. Has any athletic program have better small athletes than K State? You know what it is? It's that Spud. purple. It's that purple kryptonite. Hey, yeah. Where did Spud Webb go? Let's go. Oh, that's great. Did what did him and what did Muggsy Bogues went, go to school? Uh, Muggsy Bogues <laughs> went to. Uh, Wake Forest, and I believe that he went to NC State. I think Spud Webb went to NC State. Okay. 
That's what I, I believe. So. Oh, go ahead, Jack. What you got? Hold your mouth, mouth, mouthpiece. Oh, give it to him. Nate Robinson and Isaiah Thomas both went to Washington. Washington. Oh, that's, that's right. good. That's right. I like that. Five that's nine right. NBA players. <laughs> yeah. Well done. That's a, that research. Yep. There he is. Research. I like that. Well done there. Uh, okay. Yeah, but the, I will say this: Jerome Tang, he said it wasn't a dummy call or a fake out. Tang said Tang was calling one thing and Noel was calling something else. Mm-hmm. He said Noel noticed John stopped the corner of his eye and then threw the alley hoop. There so Tang says it was not. And it was I believe her because he's a man of the cloth. He said it was not a rehearsed play. He said now they were legitimately arguing because he was calling something and that dude Noel was calling something else. He's like, and Noel was like, hold up, hold up, hold up for a second. Yeah. Now what you say? What you say? Yeah. You know what? You got this. So he did go. Spo Webb did go to NC State, but okay. he went to Midland College. He went to a JUCO first. Any, any other small athletes went to NC State? I guess Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson went there, but he ain't five six. But he's the shortest quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl. He is definitely. Boom! Back. So there you go. Yeah. Uh huh. Until yep. until Kyler Murray does it. <laughs> 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 yeah, we know that. Never lost. Uh, Bryce Young is more. Bryce, Bryce Young will win Super Bowl be before Kyler Murray does. There, yeah, I would if he definitely does. say that. I'm hoping, especially because I'm a Texans fan. There you go. Um, all right, I was watching watching one of my favorite comfort shows. You have a comfort show? Martin. Yeah. That's like, it. A show you've seen every episode of. Yeah, Martin Lawrence. And you'll still watch the it. Martin all the Martin show, I'll watch it as Martin, I love Martin. And, and, Damn, Gene. And, and uh, Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son is a good comfort show. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Good comfort show. Uh, my comfort shows are probably Seinfeld in the Office are probably my two I definitely, shows. yeah, you do quote I watch Seinfeld. A lot. I you, watch a lot of the Office. Yes. Didn't y'all go to a Seinfeld trivia night? Trivia night. We did. We, yeah. are, we are sick. <laughs> <laughs> did y'all win? That's the question. Uh, Patrick, what did y'all finish? Third? Fourth place. Fourth place. Out of 20. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's you're in a, good. You're in the upper quandary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, well, I was watching one of my favorite comfort shows, uh, Seinfeld, last night. And I think now I have a new theory on what's happened with the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. Oh, my It is goodness. Seinfeldian. Is this straight Costanza style? Our reveal, it is Costanza style. <laughs> I figured as much. We'll discuss it on the other side right here on Baldo Live on Water 4 Down the Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Bro, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. We are looking live, hanging out here at Golfinity. If you're in the neighborhood, come on out and join us. It is a great spot, especially if you want to uh, just cultivate your, uh, your golf game or if you just want to come hang out uh, and watch a little Dell match play. I'm sure when the tournament comes on, it's going to be some tournament games out here. they got a full bar. It is a fantastic spot. Golfinity, uh, North 620, right after that Bush's Chicken, you're going to turn that first right, or you can turn into Bush's Chicken, get yourself some chicken, but you can navigate your way to Golf Indy from here. You cannot miss the uh, horn flags out front, but also the, uh, the huge uh, venue that is Golf Indy. You cannot miss it. All right, uh, let's get into my take on the Cowboys here. So I'm watching one of my comfort shows last night. I'm watching some Seinfeld, and it's one of the, uh, one of the most popular episodes uh, in, in Seinfeldian history. And I'll just... Get into the, the clip here because I got a little piece of audio, and I'm sure if you're a Seinfeld fan, you already know this audio. <laughs> but I was, I was watching it, and <laughs> I started thinking about the Cowboys. 
And so thinking about, you know, the Cowboys offseason, which even a, a Cowboys fan like Harge, all these Cowboys fans that I've known for years, I've studied the Cowboys for years. This is a very surprising and shocking offseason. It's very uncharacteristic of the Dallas Cowboys. They're just doing a lot of things that they normally don't do. And by the way, they're good decisions <laughs> that are helping out the Dallas Cowboys. And they've had, up until this point, one of the best offseasons in the NFL. And it, it may be the best offseason in the NFL, depending on who you talk to and who's making that claim. So this, this theory... All right, because we were trying to figure out, like, what's going on here? At first, I was joking that, hey, man, this is like a weekend at Jerry's. <laughs> Instead of weekend at Bernie's, they're trotting Jerry around, making these off-season moves, and Jerry's no longer calling the shots. Uh, obviously, that's in jest. I hope Jerry is okay and Jerry's fine. Uh, but this theory is still in jest, but a little bit more serious than my weekend at Jerry's theory. Uh, this is basically um, a, an episode of Seinfeld where George <laughs> figured out that every decision that he had made up until that, that point was the wrong decision. So he decides to adopt the philosophy of doing and making the opposite decision of any <laughs> decision uh, that he had made up until that point. Uh, here is the clip from Seinfeld where they finally figure out and pinpoint exactly what George's new ideology is going to be. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. <laughs> yes, I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. I present the theory that Jerry Jones has decided to do the opposite. They usually have an off season, not a lot of buzz, all right? Homegrown talent waiting uh, in, in deep into the off season, late into free agency to make some moves. Not what the Cowboys did this year. They did the opposite. They're making moves early in free agency, signing their own guys, but also active in the trade market. Cowboys never do that. So this is a, a buzz-filled offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys, honestly, have been used to quiet offseasons, almost a little too quiet. Crickets sometimes from the Dallas Cowboys. Let's go to some other examples of the Cowboys doing the opposite. I've told you guys for years, Cowboys do not value safety. They don't. All right. They, for some reason, they figure they can get a, a bargain at safety. And you know what? They're not wrong about that. They can find themselves a great bargain at safety. And they've been doing it for years. They're, the Cowboys are one of eight teams who have never picked, uh, sorry, never, since 2013, have not picked a safety, at least one safety in the first or the second round since 2013. Wow. Since 2002, Cowboys have only spent one pick in the top 125 picks of any draft on a safety. And we know they definitely, cat boy, cat boy, don't spend a lot of money, all right, on salary cap capital on the safety position. Well, that has changed. <laughs> um, they signed Donovan Wilson to uh, a big deal, making him one of the higher paid safeties. We know they already have J. Run Curse and already have Malik Hooker under contract for next year. The Cowboys, who never really invest in safety, is one of the positions they want to get a discount on. They want to they save, they want to be a super saver at the safety position. Not really doing that right now. I'm the opposite. They're spending money at the safety position because they play more safeties than anybody in the league. They play more three safeties than anybody else in the league. And argument can be made, they have the best safety core in the league. The opposite. Yep. The Dallas Cowboys last season traded Amari Cooper 
We're talking about a number one wide receiver. We're talking about a wide receiver that was in his prime. They traded a number one wide receiver for a fifth-round pick in a time where inflation had hit the wide receiver market like nobody's business like never before, right? We had never seen inflation at the wide receiver position like that. You had guys like Devontae Adams, 29 years old, traded for a first and a second round pick. Tyreek Hill, 28 years old, traded for five picks, including a first and a second. Hell, you had Marquise Brown was traded for a first and a third. He's 24 years old. A.J. Brown was traded for a first and a third. Amari Cooper, 27 years old, traded for a fifth. One of these things is not like the other. But this time... They get a wide receiver one, potentially, and Brandon Cooks, who's a Texas wide receiver one, they get that guy for a fifth and a sixth round pick? Last year, they misread the market so bad, they were the laughing stock of the league and their own fan base. I was going to say, yep. This time, they actually dictated the market of the wide receivers because it was reported, and I, I told you guys this the other day, it was reported that DeAndre Hopkins, that his trade price his, his trade value is probably closer to being brandon cook's trade value a fifth and a sixth rather than a second so the cowboys are now they're the ones dictating the wide receiver market when last year they got bamboozled and hustled by the wide receiver market and totally miscalculated and misread the wide receiver market the opposite <laughs> it's the opposite george so it, costanza it really is like i said it, it goes on and on right Remember, we talk, and Patrick brought up this point during the Rams Super Bowl run, cash over cap. Essentially, cash over cap is you restructure deals and front load them with bonuses. So I'll, I'll pay you all this, this, uh, this contract or at least yep. most of this yep. salary in a bonus or I'll make it in a kind of a, a cash-based um, compensation so that I can pay you all up front and then that gives me more room in the salary cap. Makes you cheaper. Yep. Makes you a, uh, a, a, it makes you a basically cheaper uh, player overall in terms of salary, but also you become a bargain in terms of your salary cap hit. They did that with Brandon Cooks. Um, Brandon Cooks, basically his $18 million salary, remember the, the Texans were going to pay $6 million of that, and he had $12 million left on his salary for the Cowboys. They turned $8 million of that into cash, essentially their version of cash over cap, and now his salary is going to be just $4 million, and he's only going to count $6 million against the cap. Yep. And remember, Jerry Jones, famously, this guy, they want longer contracts with players because he falls in love with players. They want longer contracts with players, and honestly, they're trying to backload a lot of these things where they can have the ability to restructure those contracts. They're almost they can almost hide money in contracts and then restructure them later, gain cap space. Now, they're going cash over cap. Guys, this is what teams that are going all in do. Yep. You don't go cash over cap if you're, you like the middle. Like Jerry, I love the middle. <laughs> yeah. We prefer to be in the middle. No, they prefer to be in the middle. Also, something to consider, the Cowboys the last couple of years have been Top five in the NFL uh, in terms of money spent on the office, salary cap money spent on the offensive side of the ball, I meaning the percentage of their money, of their salary cap dollars spent on offense instead of the other two, three, two phases of the game. They were, you know, uh, some would say overspending on offense. This is the way they operated, though. But you could argue a shift is happening, and it's going to happen you know, regardless. So. I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. inevitable yeah. that they're going to be – 
not overspending on defense, but spending way more on defense than offense because Micah's going to be over there. He's Micah's going to be the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. Trevon Diggs is going to be the highest-paid uh -huh. corner in the history of the NFL. And now you're, you're bringing in defensive pieces, right? You're trading for guys like Stephon Gilmore. By the way, getting him cheap. That's great, by the way. Um, but they're re-signing LVE, all right? They're re-signing Dunn Wilson. Seems like the Cowboys now shifting more of their focus, the opposite, all right? Instead of being overly invested on offense, sounds like now they may decide, you know what, we're going to invest on defense because we're unique and extraordinary and elite on defense yep. at multiple positions. Where are you elite, extraordinary on offense? Thank you. I was going to say, I'll, <laughs> look, I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah, Zach Martin. Yeah. Zach Martin. Zach Martin is elite. He's he, a top 100 he, I, I, player. He's the only one. I think I, Tyler none, Smith, none believe against, it or not, I he, believe he Tyler there, Smith he ain't is there gonna yet. Get there. I yep. love CeeDee Lamb, but he ain't yep. there yet. He's yep. an elite extraordinary. I'm talking Young. about top five at their position in the league. So the, the, I'm saying there's and two, I can see y'all on the Specs text line talking about y'all ain't mentioned Dak. There are two <laughs> – yeah, we did not. There, and I love Dak, by the way. There yep. are two primary ways to win the Super Bowl, elite quarterback play or elite defense slash pass rush. The Cowboys are closer to being a Super Bowl competitor, a Super Bowl champion with the, with the recipe as a, 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 a elite extraordinary defense slash yep. pass rush than they are with an elite quarterback. And I think now they're starting to see that. The opposite. <laughs> that you should be doubling down on making the defense – your game-changing identity rather than so much of the offense. Yeah, you got to score points. As Mike McCarthy just said earlier this year, hey, we ain't interested in scoring points. We want to win games. We want to win games. That's basically what he said. He did, basically said that Kellen Moore is too worried about scoring points and not enough about winning games. I, I know. Trust me. You could argue that's <laughs> – that, I can't that's, wait until this year. Yeah, yeah. As I say, yeah. You, you could argue that that's a bit of idiocracy, but, but still – my point being, the Cowboys are trying to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. More and more, you're seeing them go with the George Costanza philosophy, do the opposite. If every urge and <laughs> every decision that you make is wrong, then the opposite must be right. I think Jerry Jones has been watching Seinfeld. And you know what? I support it. It worked for George. He got a job with the Yankees. All right, and ended up being. I thought uh, this was going to be the one of him hiding under the desk. Uh, that's a different one. <laughs> but the, I was with the Yankees, though. Yeah, Once I was with the Yankees. All horrific that's like right. that. Hey, man, you can yeah. do what you want to do. All right, uh, there you go. A little Cowboys conversation. We come back. We'll get into another off the record here, right here. Uh, don't lie, live from Golfinity on 104. Now I'm the horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is The Answers, and they are playing Sunday at Hotel Vegas. Oh, yeah, I like that. Hotel Vegas. I know what that is. Um, all right, we don't have a ton of time here. So we'll, uh, next segment, though, we'll get into – we'll give you some updates, first of all, because I know tournament games have started up. So we'll give you some updates on March Madness, and we'll also get into some um, – some Back to some Texas conversation about Texas Xavier because um, tonight that is the big matchup in Texas baseball. Remember, Texas baseball tonight start up 
conference play right here uh, in this, uh, sorry, in the ARN family because we yeah, yeah, have yeah. a basketball game. will be on 1049 The Horn. Um, but we'll give you some details about how you can catch Texas baseball as well on the other side and uh, also get back to some NFL news notes and nuggets. Um, we'll get to the Zeke story because there is uh, now deferring reports about how much interest there is in Zeke. Uh, we'll also get to uh, some other Cowboys-related uh, stories too and the Bama Pro Day. A lot of discussion about or at least a lot of criticism I should say uh, toward the Texans who have not this GM uh, Nick Osirio and D'Amico Ryans have not shown up at these pro days for Bama and for Ohio State uh, looking at the two top quarterbacks um, so we'll get into why that may be the case uh, because Nick Casario has briefly discussed why he does not attend pro days or really doesn't value pro days but we'll get deeper into it coming up on the other side alright so uh, we cut, we're out here at Golf Finity uh, if you want to know where it is it's North 620 it's a great spot we'll be out here till 7 o'clock uh, they're out here celebrating Dale match play of course uh, they got a Dale match play menu with food cocktails really great uh party happening out here for uh dell match play getting ready for a fantastic weekend the best way to get that weekend started is to do it out here at golf finity we'll be out here till seven come on out here and join us if you're in the neighborhood we come back we'll get into uh all the sports stories from the day including updates on the ncaa tournament all that and more right here on ball don't lie on 104 down the horn